Welcome back to Create Space, a podcast that finds joy in the art of storytelling. I'm bringing you a story this week about legacy. Many students come through our doors at the Elliott School of Communication here at Wichita State, and all of them leave a mark. Each and every one of them leaves having done something important here. And every now and then, a student comes through who leaves something more. This is the story of Eli Maples. Eli graduated just a couple of months ago, and during his time with us, he chose to invest in our department in an intentional and profoundly impactful way. So for some context, we haven't had an in-house dedicated television studio in a long time. We've used other spaces on campus and certainly made do, but it's been something that we've always wanted to do. So my director and I hired Eli to work in our Elliott School gear room. This is like the technology hub for our department. Students can come check out cameras and microphones, tripods, lighting kits, whatever they need, right? So Eli had worked here for a couple of months and I had also had him in class as well. And so we would talk about, you know, our hopes for the Elliott School and what types of changes and updates we'd like to see. And I had mentioned to him kind of in passing how Jeff, our director, had wanted to renovate this specific space in our building to become a functioning television studio with a connected control room. Well, Eli was really into this idea. And he immediately started coming to me and Jeff and our other media production professor, Kevin, and he would have ideas and thoughts about how we could make this project happen. So Kevin and I talked with our director and we all agreed that if Eli wanted to, we could hire him to help design this studio space in addition to his job in the gear room. He jumped on the opportunity and to say that he has absolutely blown us all away would be an understatement. Eli has taken on this massive project and really ended up leading the charge. Kevin and I were able to step back and just let Eli shine. He conducted extensive research, created wiring diagrams, made technology order lists, and then he tested every single piece of equipment that we ordered. The sheer amount of trust that we have been able to put in him as a student has been immense. I mean, Eli is professional and intelligent and thorough, and now he's helped create a beautiful, functional, well-designed television studio that is going to be appreciated and used by students for so many years to come. So when I say that Eli is leaving a legacy at the Elliott School of Communication, I really mean that. And actually, as a joke one day, my colleague, Kevin, taped a piece of paper on the door that said the Eli Maples control room. And we all laughed about it. But honestly, I'm putting a plaque in there somewhere and we're naming it the Eli Maples control room because in every bit of seriousness, it wouldn't exist if not for the difficult and relentless effort that Eli put into building this space. So all of that context to say I asked Eli to come on Create Space and tell his story and share the behind-the-scenes context so that students well into the future will know why they're able to experience this space. All right, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Elijah Maples to the show today. Eli, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're here today to talk about your story. 
but beyond that, your legacy associated with the Elliott School, right? So you've put so much of your heart and soul into our Elliott School of Communication over the past several years that I would say it's honestly difficult to say who got the better end of the deal here, <laughs> you or us. But before we get into all of that, just in terms of context, I'd like to know, how did you end up here at the Elliott School? So like, how did you decide you wanted to pursue communication and how did that decision lead you to us? Well, I remember I've always had an interest in television. I think that kind of came from being a little kid and watching our local news stations and also the Weather Channel. It was just like what I did as a kid. It's put in front of the TV and that's what I would watch. Right. Um, I remember my aunt told me that uh, my mom put me in front of the Weather Channel because she was worried that the news was too violent. But it's funny because I I was told that growing up, like like when I was an infant, I was asleep in my crib. There were three things that would wake me up, like from a nap instantly, and it was I think. I think it might have been the intro to ER, but I don't remember if that was, if that's correct or not. Definitely the intro of MASH and uh, Eyewitness News at 10. That's adorable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The fact that you work in news and that woke you up as a baby is like the best foreshadowing I've ever heard in my life. Right. So I always kind of had that general interest. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a meteorologist, but I found out at the time I got to high school that... I wasn't good enough at the the math and science to like actually pursue it as a career because it's you know like physics and thermodynamics and stuff like that i just wasn't very good at it but since middle school i had been taking uh, broadcast classes in middle school we did like a live newscast every single day in high school we did something similar so that was my one of my passions my other passion was computers and technology and stuff like that so once it came time for college, uh, I knew that I wanted to go to an in-state university because I didn't have a lot of money. And I was aware of what communications was, but I didn't know if there was anything in there that was for me. So I ended up going with a major called Management of Information Systems, and I got applied for that through K-State. And I was all set up to go, but then when I started enrolling in classes, I found out how much aid I was getting it wasn't enough. So I didn't, I couldn't afford to go there. So I was like, well, I also applied at Wichita State. I'll go there and I can live at home. And I got one semester into the business school with uh, management of information systems. And I was like, oh, I don't actually get to start the computer stuff until my junior or senior year. And until then I'm taking six semesters of just business classes. And I knew that's not what I wanted to do. And my advisor also knew that's not what I wanted to do. So she actually prepped me to switch to communications by two months into my first semester as a business student. So then I made that switch. It's amazing how many, like your story is so similar to so many people, myself included. Most of our communication majors come from somewhere else. Like Mm. not many people say, I want to be a communication major straight out of high school. Typically we fall into it from some other source, which I just find interesting. I don't know why exactly that is. Either way, we're glad you found your way here. Thank you. <laughs> um, so once you once you got here, what would you say felt different? Uh, individuality, class sizes, creativity. I can elaborate on those, but and I was once I started the communications program, I was like, oh man, like shooting photos, creating videos. These are classes. These are things that I can get grades on. Right. And I don't think of myself as the most 
creative storyteller. That's just, I feel like that's not the way my brain is wired most of the time. I feel like my brain is kind of equal parts creative and mechanical. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. And I totally see that with your brain too. Yeah. So I felt like I was at home once I got here. It's safe to say that after, I can't even remember timing wise, but after a semester or two here, you invested in the Elliott School in a much more specific and intentional way than a lot of students would and then a lot of students do. So I guess my question is like, was there a specific point in time or was there a moment that made you decide you wanted to do more or go beyond kind of the confines of what a typical student would or how to, what empowered you to be a part of some of these larger projects, I guess is the base of that question. I think a little bit of it might have been, <laughs> to be blunt, boredom. Not with the classes, not with like anything actually going on here. It was, I was working in retail and right. I didn't like it. Plus we were still in the middle of the pandemic and mm -hmm. so there wasn't even jobs to begin with in the first place. So I think what it was is I liked the faculty and I liked the building and I just, I liked the potential that was there. So when the opportunity came up for me to be more involved, I was like, well, it builds off of what I already know and what I'm already comfortable with. And it's unlimited opportunity in a sense to try something new. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I jumped in. And part of that's also because it, I feel like this isn't something that we talk about a lot, but you hired me right? basically. But the job I ended up doing was different for the job I thought I was interviewing for. Yes. Now, let's be clear. Technically, our director hired you. Yeah. But cuz he, you know, he's got the money. But you're right. I mean, I I picked you out so to speak or we yeah. came to the conclusion that you would be awesome and um and I think that's what's so interesting about your story is that you're 100% right. The gear room is what we hired you for and the studio stuff was completely out of the purview of your job description. Mm -hmm. It's not something you ever had to do. Right. And I think, and so that kind of leads me to my next question, I guess, that a lot of this stuff that you're doing, you won't get to use. Yeah, that's you know? a shame. So what do you, so what do you get out of it? Like, why, why are you so invested in creating these spaces in a way that, that you won't get to see to full fruition? I think it's equal parts, two things. One, I think it's the fact that I get to leave behind a space where other people get to create things. Students will now have a place to make their content or to make their projects and make whatever they want. And that's the hope is that they don't just use whatever these spaces are for their assignments. They use them because they want to. Yes. And I thought that was really cool that I could have that impact on people. So that's certainly one half of it is I just get to create experiences now for people. I would say the other half of it is I love gadgets and mm -hmm. I have a gadget brain. So I couldn't pass up on the opportunity for you and for our director to say, hey, we're trusting you to research and purchase all this equipment. Go ahead, go ahead and do it. And I was like, well, I've never had that freedom before because I didn't have a lot of money. I would see all these cool gadgets that were pro or prosumer or even like enterprise grade stuff. And I'm like, that'd be really cool to learn how that works and build things with it. But I'm never going to have that money. So it's like... I get the benefit of getting to experiment and get to make things that I come up with in my head, these wiring diagrams and these like concepts, and I get to execute them and see them in real life, which is satisfying. And also now a student has a place to make things. Right. And then also earlier you said 
something about you saw the potential here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is you seeing the potential and more than that, helping us get there, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so, so as you think to your time here, do you have any like stories or moments or memories that stand out to you as you reflect on your, what, three and a half years here? Is yeah, that right? Three and a half. Well, here's one. I think that communication week is always a fun one because I took that studio video class is what it used to be called mm -hmm. with you during COVID where we were completely remote and that class is an experience that you taught for the first time that you probably won't ever teach it in that way ever again, right. which is completely remote production. And I thought that was so cool at the time. And so it was really interesting to get this, to be a part of it as a student. And then the next semester, not next semester, next year, I guess, I got brought on to do it again, but not as a student, now as somebody getting paid to make it work. Mm -hmm. And so I think all some of my best memories are always the satisfaction of getting something to work for the first time. And I saw that with Communication Week, both last year and this year, where I came up with a concept in my brain of how to plug things in and get a final product. And those are like some of the most satisfying moments. And for the con just for context, because a lot of people don't know, mm -hmm. will you explain what Com Week, Communication Week is and like what our class did with it? Okay. So I th the way I think of Communication Week is that it's a conference where students and faculty are invited to listen to industry professionals talk about their experiences in the field and how you as a student can kind of put yourself forward to, I don't know, advance yourself in your career field or like focus on your creativity. You know, they inspire us, they give us useful information. It's communications experts for large corporations, it's local media talent, it's all sorts of really cool people in the communications field. And so that first uh, semester of communications week during COVID, we had to do it completely remotely. So we had a completely remote event and us as students were in charge of putting that event on, of course, with your supervision, Right. which is a lot of, at the time, it felt like a lot of pressure. Uh, sure, I, I did too. <laughs> yeah, but we had this, this audience now that actually had to see the product come out and we also had the pressure of the guests and so it was kind of high intensity like the pressure was on mm -hmm. because it was a representation not only of the class and of you but also of the school right so the pressure was on there and that was fully remote and then 2021 when i took when i wasn't taking the class excuse me but i was working for the class in a sense i built out the infrastructure for those students to now do this live. So everything that they needed to send this out to a remote audience and then also provide, or working with the comm department to provide a good in-house experience too. And then uh, this year, again, it was a it was a class of students in the studio class, but I was just, again, working. I just don't let you go after you were out of that class. Right. We just kept bringing you back. <laughs> so I was uh, taking the same class over and over, but I don't have a grade, which is nice. And I was getting paid. <laughs> right. Right, so that was cool. And so this year we had to do, we chose not to live stream the events in order to 
cultivate a better audience in person and encourage people to show up. But when you bring all of these people in from all over the world, you want to have an archive. Mm -hmm. So we had to do a live to tape recording. And this year it was interesting because we were in two separate places. Right. Doing the same thing at the same right. time. Yeah, that was intense. That was intense. <laughs> and I do not say lightly that I could not have done that without you. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was crazy. Every year it got different. Like, like you said, every year I think got better. I would uh, argue. Yeah, absolutely. And changed things a little bit and tweaked things. And I'm. It's interesting. You hit at a good time because a lot of students looked at COVID as a reason to maybe not give up, but to not be as present or as involved as they would have been. And I almost feel like you looked at COVID as a way to get more involved and make things better okay i guess yeah. i don't know if you would look at it that way but that's what i saw i don't know if i've ever thought of it that way but i think you're 100 percent right yeah you you leaned into it in a way that not everybody would and you know maybe at the time it was because you know especially that first semester you know everybody was feeling the isolation mm -hmm. and the being scared and all of that so i guess well, that was just it was something to do also mm -hmm. it was like okay i can especially like that summer and that first semester after it was like it was just a way to occupy my mind and it was to try something new something out of my comfort zone i guess yeah it's um, like i can't fix a global pandemic but i can fix my little part of this exactly world. i can make it better i can control my bubble yeah yeah and that's not something to be perfectly honest i've always been very good at because i'm somebody that tends to look outside of boundaries for better or for worse mm -hmm. and for worse is when you can't control what's going on and when the world was in a bit of shambles for a little bit. That was something I certainly couldn't control, and this is something I could. I've never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. When I think back to, because we were all in it at the at the time, mm -hmm. so you know you don't really like assess your experience until it's over. And so when I look back at what we all did in 2020 and then in 2021, it's interesting to put it through that lens now of that's exactly what we were doing. We were trying to control what we could control. Right. And it's and like you mentioned, is it you said it was different every time. And yeah, it was like mm -hmm. it, the project and the and thus the class just kept evolving to the conditions of the world at the time. I do think that as I look back at the pandemic, that is one thing that I'm grateful for to it is that. I changed my teaching in a lot of ways, not just my teaching, we all changed our lives in a lot of ways. And some of the changes have been good and I've maintained them. And they're changes that like I wanted to make for a long time. Like, oh, I want to make my teaching more accessible in an online environment. I want to do that, but I never had the push to actually do it. So it always sat on my radar, but just outside of priority. And then all of a sudden we had to. And so when I think about it, I'm sure that people had thought it would be cool to record these sessions or it would be cool to put these out live, but no one ever had a need to do right. it. And now we can. And my guess is we'll never stop doing it now. You I know? hope not. And, you know, I don't know if this is more the mechanical side of the brain or more of the creative side of the brain, because I'm sure people who are wired for just one of those things experiences this all the time, which is I can't get the engine to stop running. I feel like I, you might remember that after we finished Communication Week in 2021, I think I sent you a list of ideas for what we could do the next year to make it better. I do remember that. And even after this last event, which was technically my last one as a student, I still had ideas on how I thought we could make it better the next year. Has your view of your own creativity and your own you know, storytelling philosophy 
Has it changed from when you first arrived here through being a student through a pandemic, all the different things, you know, kind of rebuilding from scratch? Do you look at yourself as a different type of storyteller or has that evolved in any way? I would say my storytelling has certainly evolved. I wouldn't necessarily say that it changed completely because that would almost imply that maybe it was never there or it was something completely different. And I wouldn't say that it is something completely different now. I would say that the classes I took here and my time here, my experience helped it like put all the puzzle pieces together. Maybe defined it in it a way? It defined it, yeah. It, it defined what I already knew and what skills I already had and it and it refined it, I guess, in a way. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Yeah, like my, my process, the way I thought it kind of evolved here and it made me more confident in the things that I already did know. I definitely learned a ton, but it also took the things that I already did know and it made something new. I've had a lot of experiences here as a student that have made me think about what I want to do in the future and it kind of changed my perspective in a way. Just for some examples with some specific classes, I took an audio class with you mm -hmm. and it made me appreciate audio more. And I feel like that's a pretty common thing you hear from students coming out of that class is that they always kind of thought as, of audio as a supplemental piece to a video. Right, an afterthought. Right. Yeah. But in some ways, in my opinion, it's more important. Agreed. As we're doing a podcast, right. it's only audio. <laughs> because it doesn't matter what your video looks like. If it sounds bad, no, no one wants to watch it. That's like right. one of the biggest turnoffs is bad audio. That'll make you click away. So that was one thing that that class, that audio production class taught me was to appreciate it more. And maybe even at some point I would love to do, I don't know, maybe radio journalism or just radio. I don't know, maybe a podcast, maybe create something, something with audio. Even if it's not me on the microphone, like I am right now, even if I'm just a part of that, uh -huh. that could be fun. Um, and you know, I work in production and local TV news right now, but there are other things that I might be, I might end up on a completely different career path. Right. Three, five, 10 years from now, you know, and there are other experiences here. That audio class was one of them that kind of, that put a thought in the back of my mind of something else that I might want to do in case I get bored with this or in case it doesn't work out. Another one of those is photography. Going back to what I was saying earlier, I've been taking pictures with point and shoot cameras and with cell phones since I was a little kid. I used to take a lot of pictures of clouds. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I don't know if that ties into the fact that I wanted to be a meteorologist when I was a little kid. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> but so I have a ton of pictures, well, at least I used to, of clouds and sunsets and stuff I just shot with my with like my first cell phone or like with my iPod touch or with the point and shoot camera that my mom would buy me from like Target. And I took a class here with Matt Stamey. Mm -hmm. And that's that photojournalism. Photo introduction, right? I think, to introduction to photojournalism. I think was the title of the class. And taking that class took the skills I, I already had and the process I already had, and it refined it. I certainly learned a lot of new things from him as well. And so I'm forever grateful to Matt for the feedback that he gave me in that class because it helped me realize how much I enjoyed that. And so that's another experience I took away from here that was like, it gave me a list of options when coming into college, I felt like I had no options. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that. I have found as a faculty member that teaching and teaching a skill is like maybe half my job. And the other half of my job is helping students find clarity in what they want to do, what their list of options includes, what they 
are capable of, you know, all of those things that you sort of come to college to find out about yourself. And as you were talking, I was thinking to myself how impressed I am and how proud I am that you have, that you see it as a list of options and that you aren't stressing about which am I going to do, which am I going to do? Because something I see in communication specifically is that we are such a broad degree path mm-hmm. that because there's not one clear, you go A to B, B to C, C to D, a lot of people get stuck in, well, which am I going to be? Am I going to be a social media manager? Am I going to be a digital producer? Am I going to be a photojournalist? And the truth is you don't have to pick because right. your degree sets you up for any of those options. And I like the fact that you're seeing the potential in that versus thinking of it as not what am I going to do with this, but look at all the things I can do with this. And I think that's a really healthy, positive outlook that is more mature than a lot of students of your same age and your same experience level. So I'm, I think it's cool that you shared that. And hopefully someone will cool. hear this and be like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't have to stress as much as I thought I did. Well, and it's good that, that we are setting people up for that here. And that's important because I feel like, especially now being in the industry and also knowing people in the industry, there's almost an expectation now that you do know a little bit of everything. Oh, yes. It used to be so much more specialized. Right. And now it's that's definitely, not a thing anymore. yeah, a little of everything. You look at journalism specifically and you have the title now of a multimedia journalist. Right. Because you have the expectation now that you can write, you can write for broadcast and you can write for print. You have to know how to take a still photo, and you also know how to shoot. How no have to know how to shoot video. You have to know how to make good audio. Edit uh, that video. Edit that video. It's appreciated if you also know how to make a social media post. But you now students leave university with the expectation, at least in communications, that you do know a little bit of everything. Right. So it's good that we're training people with that understanding. You know, it's no longer just produce this one story. It is multi-platform content creation. So exactly what you just said, that the one story about, you know, the bank robber on 21st Street, which I made up, there's no bank robber on 21st Street as far as I know. But that one story is not just an article that you write. It's a video piece and a social media post with a headline and a series of photos and, you know, all of these things. So that nature of multi-platform distribution has changed the way we need to train students to then enter the industry. So it all kind of comes full circle back to that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, finally, last kind of main question. What's your hope for communication students at Wichita State in the future? I guess the ideal scenario I'd want to see for communication students here is that they take advantage of the opportunities that they have now, especially coming out of the pandemic and a little bit more normalcy these last couple of semesters, and it's hopefully only going to get more normal. Right. They take advantage of those opportunities, and I I can refine opportunities in multiple ways. One, you know, take advantage by getting involved. Mm -hmm. That whether that's clubs or like working for the university. So take advantage by doing that. Shout out to the Sunflower. Get involved there because that's a great group of award-winning people Mm -hmm. that know what they're doing and they don't get enough recognition. And one of my biggest regrets is not working for them officially. I regret that all the time. That's one of my like big college, like, oops, I, that's, I should have done that was I should have worked for them. Cause I also had ample opportunity too. And I just kept brushing it off and saying, I'll do it later. And now I'm out of time. <laughs> so 
you can come back to grad school if you want. You know, sunflower journalists can be in grad school too, I believe. So definitely do that. Get involved because that's one way to put yourself out there is to get mm -hmm. involved with an organization. Another opportunity to take advantage of, get to know people and collaborate. I love all of those things. Yeah. Get, you're going to make, I mean, you might make great stuff by yourself, but you're going to learn more about the things that you make if you work with other people. Mm-hmm. And you might end up with a better product and you'll probably make friends along the way. Yeah. So get involved by just making friends and collaborating on projects, both for classes and not for classes. And a great way to do that is to use your resources. That's the third point is just, you know, blood, sweat and tears going into these rooms the last few years to put them together and also to the equipment room downstairs to put mm -hmm. that together. I mean, I didn't build it, but I certainly helped refine it. Oh, yeah. Take advantage of that. So, I mean, get involved in organizations, find some friends, and make things with those friends, and then use that equipment and use those studio spaces, use those rooms that the school is providing to make all of that. Just yeah. take all of the resources in front of you, whether they're human resources or like physical resources like computers and cameras and whatnot and just use it. I feel like that's a problem that I had during COVID is a lot of that opportunity for getting involved, collaboration and using your resources disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of my regret is I didn't get to do all of that. Partially because when I started, it wasn't an option. Right. And even once it was an option, I felt like I didn't take advantage enough of it. So do that, get involved, get to know people and use your resources. Well, and I, I do remember vividly when the pandemic finally started to ease up a little bit and we were finally, I don't even know that I was teaching in person yet, but we were at least meeting in person. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what you guys would have been meeting about, but I remember because Kevin Hager and I talked about it after the fact, it was you and I think Jacob and Amy and Ames and maybe Kaylin, I wanna say, uh, we're all in a room together and you were just doing what creative communication students do of just like somewhat you were just chatting about your day, but also you guys were working on some kind of a project together and like brainstorming, knocking ideas around, you know, all of that. And I remember just sitting there and watching you guys and thinking like, I haven't gotten to see and you guys haven't gotten to experience that kind of collaboration and like having a cohort and having all of that in person. And it was like, I forgot what that looked like. And I forgot how valuable that is to students and seeing you all just in your element, enjoying each other and enjoying, you know, being able to grow ideas together was so cool. So while you made the most of a pandemic, I am still so thankful that you got at least some of your college career to not be at least in the heart of the pandemic. I can't say we're over it, but not locked in the bedroom anymore. Yes, yes, like, yeah. exactly. And that's that's one thing that like looking back, I'll always say, man, I wish it would have been a little bit more normal because, you know, I missed out on that time. Sure. To collaborate with others and to learn and use the resources. But I am glad that I had what I did. Have. Yeah. Well, thank you. I am so thankful that you were willing to do the podcast with me. Um, it, you know, something that I love about you is that you're just generally willing to take risks. And I feel like you're most of the time your answer is, oh, sure, why not? So sure enough, when I was like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, which I love. But also beyond the podcast, I'm just 
so thankful for everything that you've given to the Elliott School. And I won't get all emotional about it, I promise, but we cannot state enough how much you've done for our department and how much that legacy will last. I can't wait to like have a phone conversation with you in five or 10 years and tell you how all of your stuff is being used that you created and how it's grown from that moment. And I'm excited for that. So I know you're a humble guy. I know sometimes you don't necessarily see the full impact of what you're doing, but I want you to know, and I want to say it publicly on this podcast that may not have that many listeners, but you know what I mean, that we're really proud of you and we're so thankful for you. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Create Space. I hope that you leave feeling inspired and reflective and that this story of one student seeing potential and making the absolute most of an opportunity will allow you to notice potential in your own world and then to be intentional about acting on it when you see it. So thanks for joining us and I'll see you next week on Create Space.